Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Redbox. School is out for summer, and Redbox has the video games to keep you entertained. With over 40,000 locations nationwide, you can rent and return anywhere. Better yet, you'll get a free one-night game rental from Redbox when you use the promo code WATCH3. That's WATCH, the number three. Swing by a box in your neighborhood, or if you want to make sure the game you want is there when you arrive, reserve it online at redbox.com games. The offer is valid through July 20th, 2017, subject to additional terms. Charges apply for additional nights, and a payment card is required. Getting into video games has never been so easy. Sports have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRigger.com. And joining me in the studio, nobody puts baby in a Subaru. It's Andy Greenwald! I drive a Subaru. I know. But You're I just like Ansel Elgort. I don't drive it like that. Andy, for a couple of weeks now, we've been talking about our live show that we're doing at Largo. We've been talking. You just write to be- Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Did Happy you July 4th. A, did you have a good holiday? Not really. I had to sit around and wait for Gordon Hayward for most of it. Gordon Hayward ruined everyone's life in Utah and... At the ringer. Yes. So we're back, though. And next week on Tuesday, we're going to be at Largo. Yeah. Uh, for a live Talk the Thrones. We're very excited about this. Jason, you, me, Jason Mallory. Concepcion and Mallory Rubin. And we've been talking about how we special guests. Yeah. That special guest is here in the studio right now. It's friend of the pod, Jason Manzoukas. So, What's up, everybody? First of all, we apologize that we kept you in here <laughs> that came, over the holiday weekend. That came through with the straight morning zoo vibe yeah. right there. <laughs> I'm here with Chris and Andy in the morning. Bow, 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 bow. A minute ago, he says he doesn't do impressions. Look at him. Look How's at the that? traffic on 995? <laughs> um, we are so happy. Thank you for joining us today. Thank and you so much for having me, gentlemen. On Tuesday. Thrilled to be here. We know. <laughs> <laughs> the Watch! Baranski! What, what? <laughs> this is going to be That's a it. great live show. Thanks Don't for worry, listening. I'm bringing that app to the live show. <laughs> yep. Uh, we'll also be joined by Andrea Savage. I am living my dream of reuniting my all-time favorite uh, post-credits sequence. Savage! <laughs> True killer! <laughs> Do you have this stuff just ready to Don't go? Don't worry, it's the Mad Decent app. They've got a soundboard up. Thank you, Diplo. Thank you for that and for many other things. Jason and Andrew will be joining us yeah. live on stage. Yeah. They they have a history. They know each other well. Yes, we've been in uh, many movies together, including um, the the movie uh, Sleep, that you are sleeping sleeping with other people. people that you are obsessed with, Andy, which I, I love. I really love that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, no, so do I. Uh, Leslie Headland, writer, director, extraordinaire, fantastic movie. Yeah. But... She won't be there, unfortunately. But you will. And Savage <laughs> on will. Tuesday. Yeah. And we're going to have a great time talking about that. We're going to do it in character. Yeah. Yes. Which character which are you going to be? Yeah, seriously. Which... Xander and Naomi of the characters <laughs> from that movie. Oh, I thought you were like Cersei and Tyrion or oh, something. Oh, that would be even better. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do a deep, deep sleep with other people. Oh, man. I, I would If I went, I would definitely come as Thoros of Mir. <laughs> That's an easy one. That's good for you. That's a pretty good one. You know, I realized super late in the... I realized like a month ago yeah. that I did a pilot with Paul Kay. And really? I was like, fuck, that's Thoros of Mir. Did you really? Like years ago, years ago, he had like a, a development deal here and Larry Charles directed like a CBS pilot presentation starring Paul and I was in it. Wow. <laughs> and I realized that so late and I was like, oh, that's crazy. I met Thoros of Mir. Very exciting to me. So I love this story because not only are you proving your Hollywood bona fides, but mm-hmm. also low key your Thrones bona fides because oh, yeah. Thoros is a real deep cut. Thoros I know, is a man. fan you, favorite. I thought oh, you were going to be like, Ned Stark is great and <laughs> I hope guy. he wins my, the Game of he's Thrones. He's my favorite character. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. Jason, you have told us that you have been listening to Binge Mode. So yes. you are up to date. But I'm very excited that, that uh, Jason and Mallory have been doing it because it has taken the place of my normal rewatching. <laughs> Uh, you know, thro- uh, the previous season of Game of Thrones in preparation would for the Would you next. do that? That's my, uh, my I question. I used to watch what... the previous. Yeah, I would watch whatever the, the last season, yeah, the last season yeah. was, or most of it. You know, I would kind of speed through some stuff. So but... you are a legit fan because you could oh, have, yes. for the record, we would have invited you to be on the show. Whether oh, yeah. You if you, you were just like, that sounds great. Guys, I yeah. I'll talk about all of it. I'll talk <laughs> about R plus L equals J. What? I'll, I'll get into it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I'll talk about uh, Beric Dondarrion. I mean, come on, guys. Beric, great 
Barrett gets a lot I'll of talk, love in that trailer. Yeah. I'll talk about uh, the the uh, Leanna Mormont, ten year old child ruler of Bear Island. <laughs> he actually remembers more than we do, which is this might, is great. I feel like this yeah. is like the binge mode of binge mode. <laughs> this is great. Um, yeah, should, we, should we do a yeah, podcast? Come about at me, it? Concepcion. Come on. Um, no, we're really excited for the Largo show. We're excited to have Jason on today. Jason, I, we I want to talk about. So we got the house in theaters now, correct? Which you are the third build on, I would say. I am, but I would say which the MVP. Is weird. I would say MVP of the movie. I'll take it. Thank you, Chris. And then there's also, I think we wanted to talk about Baby Driver. Have you seen it? I did. Let, yeah. Let's then, let's start with the house. Okay. Go go go. Just because we we were emailing about this briefly. Before. Yes. I've not seen the movie yet, although I'd How like to. Dare you? I like everyone in this movie. Everyone. This is, home run. Home this, run group of people in this movie. Look at the IMDb page of this film. Yes. Look at the IMDb page, not the Rotten Tomatoes page. Well, this is what I wanted to get at. So this <laughs> film, it's it's Will Ferrell, it's Amy Poehler, it's yeah. it's, it's it's you, it's, Andrea Savage, Landon Parham, Nick Kroll, Rob Hubel. He, these are the. It's a who's who of your favorite comedians. These are some of the funniest people out there. Truly. And. I like to read the New York Times film <laughs> reviews. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, in Do fact, you? have been talking. Yeah, because yeah. We, we're talking about this recently. Um, A.O. Scott, Tony Scott, one of their their lead reviewer, uh, was, he and Manola Dargis were the inspiration for the 25 list uh-huh. that we did recently. Oh, that's right. He, he wrote this review of The House mm-hmm. that was terrific. Oh, yeah. It is a... It is a basically a rave review. He finds very interesting social things happening. He really he thinks does. it's funny. He has this reading of it, and you alluded to the Rotten Tomatoes score. His point of view seems to be to be polite, an outlier. It, it really, it really, I wrote you back, I think, because you were like, oh, this review is great in the Times. And I was like, please only read that review. <laughs> and I did. What I'd um, like to talk to you the about other is... reviews have been, in a word, savage, what, uh, which can, is crazy. Can you talk us through what this is like from your perspective? Because obviously you signed on to this project because you had a, you saw something there. You, oh, sure. You put in work on it. This is nothing but talented people. It seems to have missed the mark critically in some degree. Is the Tony Scott review accurate to the movie that you hoped to make? Well, I mean, I think his review is definitely, like you're saying, coming at it from a more like social point of view of what is it to exist in a world right now where a college education is so prohibitively expensive such as so as to like force people into crazy behavior that if that is the kind of jumping off point for this movie then yeah no he's got like a very thoughtful review from that point of view now uh, the movie then takes that and blows it into insanity by making like if so Will and Amy are the couple whose child needs to go to school they lose her college education you know scholarship and her her college education fund and all that stuff that they have and so they're in this weird spot of needing the money and so my character convinces them to start an illegal casino in the in the suburbs and you know <laughs> as you can imagine hijinks ensue and it basically is we become the mob of the cul-de-sac you know and and that's the setup and so i think what a lot a lot of people were like oh great setup great people but you know a lot of the reviews just didn't were didn't get there you know we're like it, it didn't land with them or they didn't love the comedy or whatever but you know i think for him there was like a really interesting issue there that he was interested in exploring and that i do think is in the movie so it was great to read that were you surprised by this because we we when you've been on the show before and we've spoken you have definitely through facial expression or um artfully chosen silence sure. made it clear that there are projects you've been involved with that maybe you don't think were that great in the way they turned out we sure won't name names sure of course you, not. you've seen that but but is this one of those ones where it caught you by surprise in terms of the type of reaction that it got? You know, it it did. Um, it did only because there's a ton of funny stuff in this movie, you know, and I think that, like, this is a movie that is predisposed to being something that people would, in my mind, go to see in the summer for, like, fun summer kind of blowout movie, mm-hmm. you know, and it's Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler and, you know, who I think are beloved and, you know, yeah. I and people and who together are, like, dynamite, you know, and, like and that, just, that's not a pairing we've seen on the big screen. Very, you know, not, yeah, not really, aside from like appearing in the same movies right. at a couple of times they've not done something together I don't think or something like that um, except for obviously being on SNL at one point together but you know they really are like it's great to watch them do their thing and then everybody else people that you know from TV or movies that you also like so I was surprised that people 
weren't more into it as summer fun. Because uh, I do think it is that. I don't think it's, uh, you know, like, I really I really like the movie. I think there is a ton of funny stuff in there. Yeah. Um, like, one of the things I was wondering if there was a misconception about it is because Farrell does that have that, like, he's got the two tiers of comedy. He's got, like, the R-rated ones. And this is, like, a hard R oh, comedy. Yeah. It's fucking funny. But it's, like, there's cocaine and MMA and severed limbs and lots of stuff. That's oh, yeah. like And it's, like, those are the laughs. Like, they're really, really funny. But I could. Did people think this was going to be Daddy's Home or something a little bit more tame or something? Or? I don't know. I don't know if people's expectations were not there because I think that you know, yeah, like the last couple of movies he's done. Well, no, I mean maybe it's just Daddy's Home. I was going to say we're more like family, yeah, oriented. Um, but I do feel like they they for sure promoted this as a return to the kind of like crazy, yeah. you know, old school stepbrothers, Talladega Nights, R-rated Anchorman kind mm-hmm. of, not not those kind of, not those big characters as some of those movies, but like, but that kind of humor, which I do think is kind of what's there. The guys that wrote it wrote Neighbors, and I feel like it has a similar vibe to that. Um, and they just stalked it with really funny people. So I think everybody was very in on making the, the movie we were making, but we're in, I think we're both in a super weird time. Nobody's going to see comedies. You know, like none, none, whether that's the movies themselves that people aren't interested in or whether we're just in some weird zone where people are like, ooh, I don't go to the movies to see comedies. I go right. to the movies to see epic, you it's know, spectacle. Uh, spectacle movies and I wait and watch comedies at home. Right. And especially we're in a moment with comedy where not only is it flowering creatively on TV, but also Netflix is literally flooding the zone with a new comedy special every week. Every week. And yeah. if you guys you may have noticed that every year we are missing an Adam Sandler comedy in the movie sure. theater and that's because they're on Netflix. Now, yep. I mean, it's not for nothing. I mean, they're, like I don't notice when a new one comes up because of the way that Netflix is mm-hmm. kind of constructed. But it's it is interesting that that is. I wonder if there's like a knock on effect of like oh, there's yeah. not something to point to to see like oh see you know like this thing about Adam Sandler going mm-hmm. back to camp made a hundred million dollars. Like comedies are funny, like they work. Do you does that bother you? Does that like is that make you nervous about? Because it feels like at once like comedy has never been bigger as like an industry but at the same time the theater experience. I I do think there is some I do think we are in some transition Mm -hmm. right now and that I think is applicable to I think we're in this you know like I think the music industry imploded 15 years ago and I think TV and film have been imploding in the interim you know in these last bunch of years and I do wonder whether whether we're just kind of waiting for some comedy to come along that's everybody agrees is great and everybody goes to see and, and is the next <clears throat> hangover bridesmaids type of movie that connects with the next generation mm-hmm. with the next with with culture on the whole or are we going to transition to like is Netflix going to be like oh Netflix now has a channel where they're just making comedies yeah you know like the, using the Sandler model but applying it to just like a bigger category sure. so they're making original wouldn't that be I would be into that that doesn't worry me that's I more than anything I just want to get to wherever we're going yeah right you know I want to right. I want to get to the point where we're making content that's finding its audience whether that is on screens at home via Apple TV or Netflix or whatever or in theaters but you know like right now we're in some weird limbo I feel like it's strange I would I've one of the trailers before the house last night when I went and saw it was for Annabelle the the origin of the conjuring doll oh sure yeah and it was like it, but it, the, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because well. of course I mean I, I auditioned for the doll <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, that doll gets all my parts <laughs> but the uh, that, that doll was almost in the house horror consistently wow. performs it was the two of us. at the uh, at the oh, box yeah. office yeah and it's sort of weird that like there there should be a baseline of these certain genre films that are just like yeah everybody wants to go see a horror movie every and three I feel months, the same you know? about comedy yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What I mean. like what is the Blumhouse of comedy yeah, basically exactly. why can't they just like bring down the ceiling a little bit in terms of the budget totally. if necessary and then just yeah you have the the raw materials are there oh yeah and i think there's an entire generation of comedians who are ready to do it it really is just like what's the system that's going to get them there did it you you um have the ability to be funny in many mediums i'll take um, it uh uh print 
Print. Print. My news column is my byline in the Wall Street Journal. Ceramics. Hilarious. Just Jason. A weekly column. Hilarious origami. But at podcasts as well. But archery. Did it feel different in some way to be, this is a major studio movie, your job is your job. You go and you work and you play off your your scene partners and you're, you know, you're funny, you bring what you bring to it that the doll will never be able to bring, by the way. fuck that doll. I just want to tell you right now. that doll, fuck that doll. But is there a different feeling on the set of a quote-unquote major film or is it really it's all in perception and the back end? It's not so much. I mean, you you walk into things that are bigger than normal. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when we lit Jeremy Renner on fire, like, we that like, there was Does like that a, happen? there that was an happen. enormous like we lit a guy on fire. Is it actually He's, Jeremy Renner for I, part of it? Part of yeah. and then it switches when it really engulfs him in flames. And I was like, oh, this is terrifying. Like this guy's gonna die. <laughs> Did you talk to Jeremy Renner? Oh yeah. Can you share some of that with us? Oh uh, yeah, I don't have anything like juicy. I mean, we mostly talked about flipping houses. <laughs> there it is. I'm just kidding. We Every drop know, you can squeeze know, from this. I know that's your, you, guys, you guys love that. You I see my face and talk Renner about was it. actually not in this movie. He yeah. just happened to be next to where they were filming it in L.A. <laughs> because he was doing work on a on a boat. Yep. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's a California craftsman located yep. and was just able up the to street. just slip in and just be or like, maybe guys- he was like just eyeballing the house where you filmed the house. My understanding is that he misunderstood the the offer yeah. from the house as <laughs> a house it. to flip. Or they were and like, so we he think, showed up to get to work. Or his agent's like, belt. we think you could really improve the house. Exactly. And he's like, that's yeah. literally he's what, like, I've that's what I've been waiting for you Baby, that's what I've been doing for years. Wow. Um, no, he was great. Missed opportunity. But it was like, only in scope and kind of size of stuff like that. But otherwise, it really is just, you know, especially on this movie, showing up with a lot of people that I've worked with on other jobs yeah. and doing bits, you know, and but then you really are like, oh, those bits are then going to be part of like a multi-million dollar movie. And that's that's weird. You know, like yeah. that's super weird. You worked with some of the people in this movie before, and I wouldn't have brought this up if Hubel hadn't already talked about this pretty openly. But Hubel! I underst- understand that Mariah you Carey. You fucked me, bro. Mariah you Car- fucked me, bro. <laughs> I'm Did kidding. He? No, no, no. By no, no, talking no. about Mariah Carey? No, no, I'm kidding. I, I love, mean, you may I work love on. Hubel, and he is very funny in this movie. You, he is very funny. And you may future, in the future, you might work with Mariah Carey. So choose of your course, words. Of course. Carefully. You know, uh, but she was supposed to be in the house. Yep. Wow. Yeah, yep. She, uh, she filmed a cameo that did not make it. Did you her on fire? <laughs> no, no, no. There was a scene in which she was meant to be shot, though, and that was like the <laughs> this central. Movie sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and you know what? Truth be told, she would have likely been engulfed in fire mm. in the if the storyline had progressed. You sure. know, um, no. And people have been talking about it, and people have been asking about it. You know, it was a it was a crazy day. It was it was weird, but you know, I, I walk away from that day feeling like. We all were part of something pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> is that is could that footage ever make it to a deep? Probably not. Oh sure, yeah. It, you know, but the fo- here's the thing: the footage wouldn't be that exciting. It wasn't like it truly was a cameo. It right. was a you are isn't it the basic the the bit was essentially it wouldn't it be funny if if the casino in the suburbs had Mariah Carey as its lounge act? Oh okay. So you kind of find her and she's singing one of her songs and blah 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 and she and I get into an argument and it's that it's really like it's utter it's a kind of it would have been a funny gag I think right. you know and it just it just kind of didn't work. Wow. Should we just speaking of things that just kind of didn't? No, work, no, no. Should we talk I about have a Baby better Driver? Segue. I have a better segue. For <laughs> I that. thought that was a good segue. So, Andy, I've, I've, this is I'm very excited for this. You've yeah. been teasing your Ooh, your take on Twitter. Do you have a hot take? No, it's not a take. You, I just you are seeking out other people saying that they love Baby Driver, and you're being like counterpoint. Nah, no, I'm not seeking out. There's just <laughs> enough. Like guys, enough. Okay, enough. So That's why don't you all. go? I was going to say that we could talk about the way. It, sort of pivot to Baby Driver here would be actually to talk about whether or not because of the way that movies work now, our expectations for certain things are a little bit out of whack. I agree with this. And and I think that uh, The House is a really fun comedy that you can enjoy yourself for a little bit more than an hour at. And Baby Driver is a really fun action piece. And I think that what happens is in the compression of opinion, you go into Baby Driver, speaking for you, and you're like, I guess this is supposed to be a masterpiece and you come out and you were like, is that really what you guys were talking about? You know, earlier today I listened to you cheat on me with Bill Simmons yeah. on the NBA podcast. Yeah. It was great. 
Um, it was, I really recommend that podcast. Chris had a little like grit in his voice. I think he's I still like, do. Yeah. He yeah. sounded like you've been like chain smoking, <laughs> oh, like yeah. working the phones. Is like, that what happens when you do the podcast with Bill? Yeah, so you're like, itch. I got a man up. Yeah, here. I got to drink like I have to have like four Marlboros. He's the boss. He sounded like Sam Elliott. He really did. Um, but you referred to the idea in basketball of uh, tanks or titles. Yeah. Right. You're either tanking or you're winning a championship. And the idea that if you just have a good season and everybody's happy and you, you go out with some gusto, that's not a time well spent anymore. Sure. I feel like that's sort of what you're saying about movies. Right. It's either the worst thing or it's the best thing because you have to have a stake out some territory on on Twitter Island. Now, to that point, I it, it's amazing to me, as always, that if you'd have an opinion that is not going along with you know the the horde that it is the, somehow. the lamestream media. No, what I'm saying <laughs> is, news. but what I think Fake it's, news. But what I think this is speaking to is something that you are that, that we're getting at, which is that people are really really thirsty for a movie to enjoy in the summertime that is not about toy robots fighting. Sure, um, I think that's why nobody's thirsty for that anymore. No, nobody wants, nobody yeah. wants that. Anymore. But this movie is not that great. And I, and I really had some problems with it. Okay, I mean, it's it's fine. Do you want to run run down he, what your he, your gripes were? Here, yeah, here here are my and, I, and by the way, I have enjoyed all of all of Edgar Wright's previous film work. Yeah. Um. So I, I did not have any, and I think he's really he's clearly a master uh, filmmaker. He knows how to make movies, and that's exciting. Anytime you see a movie with someone who has a distinct point of view, and you know directorially, directorially they have something to say, and they know how to do what they want to do. But Okay, let me just start with two points, and you tell me, guys, where, where you are with this. Okay. I think Ansel Elgort is a black hole. Um, <laughs> the entire movie is about him and his face and believing in it, and I think that he does not – he doesn't have the range. I don't think that he is charismatic, um, How and I did not – How much of that is him versus the character? I think – The character is meant to be – It's a tough a character. A stoic kind of non-participatory member of the, you know, of the, you know uh, – crew or whatever but if you cast tom cruise in 1983 in this part like same age tom cruise you're okay. like Whoa, yeah but that's like kid. saying if you had steve carlton p- pitching for the phillies now that would be pretty good steve too. carlton now pitching for the phillies would be an improvement <laughs> yes, yeah. steve but, carlton <laughs> i know who that is <laughs> but uh no i i just think i just didn't buy it i just don't buy him okay and so he took me out Two, the atlanta of it all now I love a tax break. Sure. Nobody loves tax breaks more than me. I would do this podcast in Atlanta if I could. <laughs> sure. I have been arguing that we should. Because yeah. of the oh, yeah. massive taxes that we're paying on yeah, doing this exactly. podcast in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's cost prohibitive. Yeah. Sidebar, I don't Just know what tax breaks alone. are. <laughs> I don't know how they work. But I like for all the good things that Atlanta has brought us, and they brought us a lot, and Atlanta's a wonderful city, great place to visit. I think even the people who live in Atlanta, even the people who make the TV show called Atlanta, sure. will agree. That Best the, show of last year. Uh, absolutely. That the metro core of the city is not the most cinematic or sure. interesting. Yep. So there's a moment in the opening of this movie where I'm like, okay, let's get going. Let's get the blues explosion playing. I love this song. Mm-hmm. Look at John Hamm's cool hair. And as he gets out of the car, Cox's machine gun flips back the hair. You visibly see a Schlotzky's behind him. <laughs> And I'm like, come on, man. Oh, interesting. Schlotsky's? <clears throat> That's okay. This so is a movie for that me, is set nowhere. See, for me, that you are not, you just were not on board for this movie. So much so that you are noticing But that's the that, first second of the film. Yeah. That's hmm. immediately, I was like, if this movie, I, I want a movie to be about a place. You put, you sure. film this movie in New York, you film it in New Orleans, you film it in, you film it in the Anthony Bourdain episode of Houston. Yeah. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. This is a place where they could film it. And so they filmed it there, and okay. it is just visually so mean. drab, despite the pyrotechnics yeah, I, of the car I, chase. I, I agree that that I think that we've now reached maximum Atlanta in terms of. So, so those are my like are actual criticisms. Atlanta? Of yeah, the, well, just in terms the, of like the the showing up in all the Marvel movies, and it, everything looks like an industrial park mm-hmm. kind but, of. But it. the bigger thing about it that I just didn't is that I feel like it was essentially it's an empty film. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, everyone's having everyone's having a good time. He certainly wants to play you the soundtrack and show you how good his music taste is. But in terms of actually having any depth or anything beneath the surface, it just I just thought it was an empty exercise. And I'm increasingly less into that, you know. I, I just find it a little bit. I didn't find it satisfying. Okay, and I saw it in the theater. People keep getting at me saying, <laughs> "Oh, yeah. did you see it in the back of a Delta uh, airplane <laughs> seat somehow?" <laughs> that would be a dope Delta if you could get baby driver. Also, I maybe would have liked it more because I would have been drunker. Yeah, but, sure. Oh, that's my that's my thing. But I understand why people want to love something, and I would rather people love this than something else. I just. I didn't think it was that good. So I yeah. want Jason to talk. But one thing I will say, I agree with some of your points, but I don't think that they bothered me as much. I agree Schlotzky's. with Jason that Elgort 
is perfect for the role. Like we talked about this a little while ago when we were around the office where I was like, I don't, I, I have personal beef with him. Yeah, does Jason know this? Do you know about this? No. Chris so I wrote, a, I wrote a blog post years ago when he was in Fault in Our Stars when he showed up at a Knicks game and he is wearing a, a, like a hat and it looked like it was the first time he'd ever put a hat on. Okay. It was just like, like that? Was it? Do you know if it may it might have been the first hat? I don't worn? think it was okay. because he took personal issue with this piece, <laughs> and it was like just me being like your boys at this at this Knicks game, and he tweeted at me, "Come to Brooklyn and I will dunk on you," and tweeted a video of him dunking on a playground somewhere. Wow! So, so I did you go? no no I don't even, he was coward. that wasn't specific enough. <laughs> you coward, Chris Ryan. <laughs> but right. this is. Uh, not somebody that I'm rooting for necessarily, yeah. but I don't think I can't imagine what this movie would have been like. Even take out 83 maybe, Tom Cruise, maybe like, I just ride for my boy more than you realize. Take take put in 15 or 14 Miles Teller, or put in whoever you want to do as the replacement. It's actually not the same movie. And David Sims had a really good piece in the Atlantic that was kind of breaking down Baby Driver in the continuum of heist movies and specifically getaway car movies and mm-hmm. comparing him to Ryan Gosling. And Ryan O'Neill and Driver, I like that movie and more. just the the sort of like this sort of placid mute bystander in while all this stuff is happening mm-hmm. around him, and it, that kind of brought the movie into a little bit more focus with me. I agree with you on the Atlanta stuff. I think for me, the big problem here, outside of the whether you want to talk about whether or not it's empty or not, is that Baby Driver is a movie that's an, a love letter to movies like Point Break and Speed that came out at a time when movies like that could exist in their own world and not have to be. They grew into being like, you know what? Point Break is actually a perfect movie. Sure. There's nothing, I would not change a note about it. Bad Boys 2? Yeah, exactly. And wow. right now, when those movies come out, they're like, well, what does this mean for Edgar Wright's future? And should he have, you know, like, and all this, like, it has to carry a certain weight that those movies were never really intended to do. You mean we shouldn't examine the white privilege at work in the justice system at the end of Baby Driver? Do you really want to do that? <laughs> no, I don't. Did that actually bother you? No. Did that actually bother no, you? I just, okay. I just wanted to so say with that, it. I'll just say that I think that the one of the issues with this movie is that I, I think it's good for movies, for movies like this to exist. And I enjoyed it while I was watching it. And then when I left, I was like, well, you know, that, that, and I that. I just don't think I'm on team movies. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's good for movies. <laughs> but, like, I saw it as a movie. Yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. All right. I loved it. You know, I... Wow. Bringing the really, hammer. You sat through that. Thank you. I loved it. You know, and 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 that is not to discount some of the things you said. You know, like, I, I am inclined to agree that Atlanta right now is what Toronto was 15 right. years ago or yeah. 10 years ago. Like, we we see this kind... There is a certain blandness to the, to the city itself. Again, I was busy just enjoying it. Um, and so I did... It, that didn't take me out of it, really. You know, and I... And same for Ansel uh, Elgort. Uh, Elgort? Elgort, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who I thought, you know, and who I did not see Fault in Our Stars, so I'm not super familiar with him. Did you see Um, him wear a hat? I've never (laughs) seen him wear a hat, so I don't know his, uh, you know, how good he is at it. Uh, But my boy Chris Ryan here says he's no good. (laughs) And Chris is wearing a hat right now. He looks terrific. And by the way, Chris, you're killing this hat. Thanks, man. Your hat game is on point. Thanks. Um, But I was just like, I don't know. I really, for whatever reason, I just, I was fully on board. I really dug it. And to me, this movie is, we should, there should always be movies this good. You know what I mean? It should not be hard. Like, I don't, here's what, you know, like, and I, full disclosure, I know Edgar Wright. He's a friend of mine. Like, he's somebody that I, I know in the world. And so, like, I, I I feel like this is a, this is a, I really enjoyed this movie, but I don't think this is like um, an outsized masterpiece. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, but what right. I think is, I think this is a great movie. You know what I mean? And I really, I want there to be movies like this all the time. I, I agree with you about that. And you I know? do think that's why people get very upset when there's an opposing viewpoint about this movie because what people are saying is that they're saying I want yeah. to love things yeah. I want there to be I want to have a good time I don't want an expanded universe I just want to have this experience with a specific point of view the specific set of actors a specific soundtrack and then that's that experience so I completely agree with you about that I just wanted something I'm, I'm being greedy I wanted well, something more. But that more. to it, me it, is expectations. It, well, you but, wanted something more versus like mm, take getting the movie. Like, you were pretty sincerely no, excited for it. I, I would say that. I was. And I think that what this lacked, you know, I think one of the reasons why I liked, I like his, um, the Cornetto trilogy. Sure. Edgar Wright's movies with. <laughs> the way you I, said I, can, that. I can drop it. <laughs> yeah. I, can, well, I, I was yeah. testing it out. Yeah, yeah. Came out of my mouth funny, but I'm, I'm going to stick really with good. it. Really good. Um, 
there was a emotional point of view to those movies that was consistent, right? Yes. That Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, who are, who are their own talents and bring uh-huh. their own stuff to it. But, you know, there's something in those movies about getting about loving genre and loving childhood and loving your friends, but then getting older. And there's a certain melancholy to those movies that's baked in that allows for all the craziness and the camera trickery. 100%. Around it. This is an ode to something that I believe Edgar Wright is passionate about in his own life, like a certain kind of movie, a certain type of story. And it lacked that third gear for me, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, I, I, and I, but I, I do think that you're right that he, it's unfair to, in some level to, to single this out because he can only make the movie he wants to make. It is, I'm thrilled that it's doing well. Honestly, I am thrilled that it's doing well financially because that speaks well for his career and for hopefully non-franchisey things sure. in the future. But, um, but he, he can only make the movie he, he can make. He can't make the movie culture around it. So in a yeah. better year, there are 10 highly specific, interesting, standalone movies that we could be having this conversation about. Do you, it's too much spotlight on it, although he is benefiting from interestingly, it. Interestingly, this movie was supposed to come out in the fall, and it oh. didn't. Because uh, it was testing so well or something? This upcoming fall, yeah, they, they moved, moved it. Because it, it was testing earlier. Because well it, it was testing earlier, and I think it felt like a, it could be a big summer movie rather than an intense like fall prestige like Oscar-y kind of I don't know if that was their plan but it that it was moved and I and I think there's something about that that I feel like speaks to it's just kind of fantastic kind of summer cinema you know and I'm saying that as someone who has a movie out <laughs> at the, the same summer. time as this movie yeah. you know what I mean like and I'm I'm heartbroken because it's crushing us but like I really loved this movie but that's actually one of the true geniuses of the summer is the marketing studio person who saw that opening who saw that this might be a soft summer yeah. And that there's room for a movie for people to love, not just tolerate. To get oiled up for Dunkirk. You know, you guys yeah. are so psyched for Dunkirk. How I'm, are you I'm, not psyched I'm for Dunkirk? Dunkirk? I'm going to see it. <laughs> I'm not. It's cool. Yeah. It's fine. The uh, I saw I a, want to talk about late period re- Branagh Renaissance, the Branaissance. Branaissance? The Branaissance. You want to know better. how psyched I am for Dunkirk? I watched a actor's roundtable with Harry Styles and three other dudes with three names each. You know, like, really? like Todd that Lloyd. You don't even, so Harry Roda. Styles is the only person you knew by name? Yes, I've never heard of these and dudes. An, and an because like the whole thing table. is like it's like unknowns, so yeah. it doesn't take you out of it, even though Tom Hardy and Mark Rylance and Kenneth Branagh are in it. Oh, Mark and, Rylance, all day, every day. The way he's like, no, this is how they would have said Dunkirk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Dunkirk. And I was like, yes! He's the best. Accuracy. Is that Harry Styles you're doing or Mark Rylance? <laughs> no, but the guys who were talking in this actor's roundtable definitely definitely just found out what Dunkirk was like they were just so funny like they were just like it's fucking scary on did, that beach did like, it happen? <laughs> like, that was intense for those guys yeah. um all right I mean I feel like I the one other thing I wanted to mention as like a uh I, I want I was curious because we're all around the same age and I'm, I feel like we all grew up loving movies and listening to music and stuff like that and I was wondering if this was maybe subconsciously something that was bothering you. Oh. I don't like to psychoanalyze you, but I do. I, mm, um, I welcome it. Can I tell you something? I love to be psychoanalyzed. Movie, I pay someone very well for that. The movie opens with uh, this great, almost wordless sequence set to John Spencer's Blues Explosions, mm-hmm. Bell Bottoms. Sure. The, the Orange album came out during like the end of our high school careers, yeah, I think. In college. High school when careers, I was in college. like we were quarterbacks. Um, and it's just like you're sitting there and you're watching. I was talking with Fennessy about this where you're just like, I can't believe somebody put John Spencer Blues Explosion Bell Bottoms in a fucking movie. They put oh, John yeah. Spencer and in the movie. Ro- He's in it. They robbed a bank. Yeah. Walter Hill's in it. And there's almost sometimes, it, this happens more and more where I feel like uh, so I'm watching something on screen that's like intruding on my imagination. You know what I mean? Where you, you kind of have these fra- this frame of reference or you have like, even like, wouldn't it be cool if this ever happened? And I like heist movies and John Spencer yeah. Blues Explosion. And when you see that, you're almost like, oh my God, like this is almost, uh, it's almost like catching someone robbing your 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 mind a little bit. Not I, that I had that specific idea, but like that, we see that a lot where like, you know, something that you really want to happen oh, comes true. Absolutely. This from this movie for me was like I was like I want to jump into this movie. Yeah. I like I had that feeling that I get when I when I, when I get really excited about things where I'm like, "Ooh, me too." How, why I want to be in there. Yeah. Like put me in the car, you know. I got very excited. <laughs> and it was a lot of it was because I, the music choices resonated with me and the, the the style of movie resonated. I would have liked the movie more if during one of the chases you just emerged from the trunk like, "Hey guys, what are we doing?" <laughs> What's up, guys? What are we, what are we up to? This is a prank. Just me and Andrea Savage. Yeah. Yeah. Doing characters from again. sleeping with other people. Can, can, I, can I also just... Uh, you can tell that Fox and Ham and Spacey, because those are pretty small parts for such big actors, yeah. 
like had a blast doing oh, it. Yeah. Or like, and it's just those scenes, especially, are my favorites. The ones planning the job totally. and all the like, you know, Kevin Spacey at the chalkboard. It's that stuff's great. We should talk about that. This movie celebrates someone that we were celebrating the other week, Sky Ferreira. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, Sky Ferreira as mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby, baby just wants a. Someone who looks like his mom yeah. and sings like his mom and has the same job Isn't as his mom. Isn't that great? That's kind of interesting. Let's, um, let's talk about that. That's I loved, the f- I, and I love Lily James as well. By the way, that was the French move version. <laughs> the Olivier Sayas version yeah. of Baby Driver is solely about his it's, love for his, his just, play sexual except love Except for his forte, yeah. Yeah, or Matthew Almarac at age. Um, all right, we should wrap this up. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Then Jason's sticking around with us to talk to Andy Samberg about his movie Tour to Pharmacy that's coming out on HBO. July 8th. July 8th. Anything else going on with you? With me? Yeah. Oh. I want people to listen to your Mark Maron episode. I loved it. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm, Thanks. I'm very jealous when people appear on other podcasts. <laughs> but, well, I'm jealous when you guys refer to other people as friends of the podcast, like Jake Johnson. What the hell? <laughs> Where's he been recently? Yeah. He hasn't been on he, in over a year. He, what's he up to with you guys? Literally nothing. You're, um, you're our only friend. Uh, no, yeah. I, I loved doing that, Maron, actually. Uh, I'd never... I, I, he and I don't know each other well, so it was like a really interesting conversation, actually. It really was. It was, I did not know many things that I learned about you oh, uh, sure. on this. It's fascinating. People should listen to it. Also, I think you caught Marin at a great time because he's very cuddly right now. Because, <laughs> he is. Because he's so glow good on glow and everyone loves it. him. Yeah. And he, I'm listening to the interviews, he is just in a very yeah. gentle place. No, it's pretty great. It's is glow your great. jam? You listen. You watch anything else? I'm only a couple in. I'm loving it so far, but I I, I don't have a take really because I'm really, I'm, I'm just starting it. Glow is kind of... Kind of has like a one hundred percent approval rating. I love it. We, I, my my wife has a, gives it a hundred percent approval yep. rating. We are watching. That's what we want to watch right now. We're I'm a parceling huge them fan out. of everybody in it. Allie and she is, um, Betty and, sleeping with other people. Yep. The secret, exactly, the secret grail of <laughs> comedy. She's so funny. Oh my god, she is. And I've done like I did community with her. I've done a whole bunch of stuff with yeah, Allie, right. and she is a legit genius. Yeah, like she, top to bottom, like total genius. And Betty Gilpin, I think, is fantastic. She Marin, is. obviously terrific. Um, uh, Liz Flayhive, who wrote it, I think is a genius. Like, it's kind of amazing that show is that they're doing a TV show about the gorgeous ladies it's, of wrestling, which I don't know if you guys remember, but I, I very vividly remember Talk about infringing it. on my imagination. I remember yeah. it very well. <laughs> and yeah, that was, yeah. A, and it really was like, that's the thing that I don't know if people understand, like. People watching it now, watching the show, and then maybe they go on YouTube or they see these clips. They've been circular, circulating on Facebook. And I think for a lot of people, it's disorienting. Like, I can't believe there are these stereotypes rapping at me badly. Imagine having no context, no YouTube, no framing yeah. device, no, like, here's the real heart in your way into this story because yeah. it's really a story about the struggle of friends and, and whatever in society. No, these are just these are just stereotypes rapping on television in the afternoon. I remember it being on at, like, 5 p.m. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, or earlier. Yeah, earlier. Yeah, weird, right? Oh, yeah, no, on the weekends. Crazy. It was on the weekend. That's oh, the weekend. what I remember it as. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it was. It was a time change between <laughs> Massachusetts and Philadelphia. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. No, I remember it being like a crazy wrestling was so important. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, and then when Glow came out, it was like holy shit. There's girls too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not just Elizabeth. It's, yeah, it's, it's formative. Yeah. Ooh. All right, we're gonna wrap up. Sandberg's next. We will see Jason on Tuesday at Largo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go see the Bring house. Bring it on. We're Tower excited. of joy. <laughs> Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh wants to make cooking more fun, so they focus on the whole experience and not just the final plate. They like to think of themselves as a farm-to-box company because they want everyone to have access to fresh ingredients that inspires them to make great meals. And they don't just stop there. They're also a couch-to-kitchen company because the best way to kick those 5 p.m. excuses is by feeling unstoppable in the kitchen. And they do even more than that. They are proud to be a fork-to-feel-good company, too, because when you cook and eat delicious, healthy meals, you'll want to keep doing it again and again. If they could do the dishes for you, they would, but the number one priority is to get you cooking. HelloFresh currently offers customers a classic box, a veggie box, and a family box. Customers can order three to five different meals per week designed for two to four people. New recipes are created every week. Their recipes will make you feel unstoppable, and your taste buds will thank you. In six easy-to-master steps, you'll get to chopping, zesting, and cooking like a natural, because most of their recipes just take 30 minutes with minimal requirement. It's really hard to get all this stuff 
on your own, right? You have to go out to the shopping you know, sh- supermarket and you have to like block it all out in your mind about how you're going to prepare things. HelloFresh just cuts all that out. They're, it's all about getting into the kitchen and getting you cooking. They are constantly experimenting in the kitchen to let fresh, natural ingredients shine. And they offer ever-changing menus, classic ingredients, and a new light, and an easy-to-follow recipes to help you avoid that food coma and feel good inside and out. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so that you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. It's about celebrating being in the kitchen as much as it is being in the dining room. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed to share, and there's no food waste. HelloFresh employs two full-time registered dietitians on staff who review each recipe to ensure that it is nutritionally balanced. They deliver food to your doorstep in a recyclable insulated box for free. They are now offering light summer meals, which is lovely because you don't want to get that heavy feeling in summer. And they've just introduced some breakfast options, which I'm psyched to check out. For $30 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the code WATCH30 when you subscribe. How awesome is that? Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by our buddies at Hotel Tonight. If you are like me and you are not so great at planning ahead, I've got good news for you. There's this awesome app called Hotel Tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. It sounds counterintuitive, but unlike flights, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute. And Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those deals along to you. These are not last resort places. They're actually cool top-rated hotels that you want to stay in. I used Hotel Tonight to go to Vegas this Saturday. I'm trying to see these Sixers. And Hotel Tonight was there for me in my time of need. With so many awesome partner hotels in a ton of different countries, Hotel Tonight can help you find a great hotel almost anywhere. It's perfect for the spontaneous getaway or finally going away on that trip that you've been wanting to take for a while. Because even though the app's name is Hotel Tonight, you can book up to a week in advance. That's what I did for Vegas. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. Get in on these killer last-minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Okay, so we are incredibly thrilled. We are joined now on the phone from Parts Unknown by Andy Samberg. Andy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's beautiful here in Parts Unknown. (laughs) Yes, how is the weather this time of year there? Hot. Yeah. Andy, we are uh, all three of us are excited to talk to you. About I'm furious. <laughs> There's, I'm furious. What? I feel betrayed. Do, do you want to have this out now? I, should... I was told that you were going to be here in person and that we were going to fight. <laughs> that oh, would have been a good I'm never going to fight you. <laughs> I could, you would tear me limb from limb. Oh, no. We'd mostly just end up hugging. For, for what it's worth, I was we just. We would end up. I was just asking Jason about like people who you don't get along with IRL in Hollywood. And I keep trying to find dirt that you know that you work well together mm. on screen. You two work very well together on screen, but maybe that comes from a different kind of friction between the two of you. Wouldn't that be great if we just hated each other? <laughs> it would be funny. It would be really funny, like really yeah. cold to each other. Manzukas, you and McBrayer have a big beef, right? Oh, That's yeah. All, you know what? Theory. I will put that out into the world right now. Jack McBrayer is not a good person. <laughs> wow. It's an act. He is he yeah. is awful. He is a hateful. He has a hateful black soul. Um, no. Yeah. Oh, you just took me all the way out, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> that was on purpose. Um, Disney, we don't want you to get in trouble here. Yeah, you're taking my mic. Don't do not silence me when I am telling the truth about Jack McBrayer. <laughs> Kenneth the Page from Thirty Rock is a lie. <laughs> now I uh, now I have to say that he is the loveliest. <laughs> Before you get us into any more He's trouble, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andy, we want to talk to you about Tour de Pharmacy, <laughs> which premieres on HBO on July 8th. This is an incredibly okay. silly, it's an incredibly funny hour-long um, documentary. I I have to ask you, this seems like very, very uh, 10,000 feet here, but how do these things come together? Because the, 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 the size of the Rolodex required to get this particular cast, which is unlike any ever assembled, plus filming <laughs> people on bicycles. Uh, I know Murray Miller yeah. wrote it and, and Jake Szymanski directed it. Yeah. How does this talk me through it? How does it even begin to get to the place where you where you where you have this film to show to the world? This one, in some ways, was easier because it's the second of 
its kind. You know, we did Seven Days in Hell, which was right. the Wimbledon one with me, me and Jon Snow. I, and um, did, did you call him Jon Snow on set? <laughs> yeah, that, I was just going to ask the, the same question. Time. He, he loves it. He, he loves insists when I call on him. it, right? Yeah, he loves it. A lot of people don't know that uh, Kit no, Harrington yeah. is in character year round. <laughs> he's like Dale Day-Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> so when he's an actor on other jobs, you have to call him Jon Snow when he's not in character as whatever he's doing on that job. And when he was dead on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Dead. Constantly. He I'll did. be like, he had him say, he's like, it's Jon Snow. Call me Jon Snow. <laughs> and then, then right. they were like, okay, we're rolling. He was like, okay, now I'm my character from this from this movie. Yeah. Anyhow, point being, because we had made one already, it was a lot easier to cast because we could just sort of send Seven Days in Hell to people and say, like, do you like this vibe? Because <laughs> it's pretty bonkers. And if you're into that, then please come do it. Um, and it worked out really well because the only people that said yes were people who were super into that vibe. Um, how how much of the vibe is scripted from the beginning and how much just spins out of some of the interviews because obviously there's a structure here and you have the characters but then you have you have a bunch of people in this movie who i think you put them in front of a camera they might say some stuff that'll surprise you (laughs) yes the talking heads are where we play around the most um oftentimes we'll say like okay say for example jeff goldblum you're gonna play the older version of me in this which is very exciting um (laughs) Two hours next week, we're just going to shoot. He goes, great. He's got probably 15 scripted lines in the script, right? And then we write 10 pages of all. And then while we're shooting, me and Murray and Jake throw out, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff for him to try while we're shooting. And then we end up with like, you know, an hour of footage of Jeff Goldblum that we can sort of pepper in all throughout when we feel like it's going to work. And I don't want to spoil anything about this because it is a journey, but... Jeff Goldblum looked more excited to say the word jizz than I've ever seen him about anything. <laughs> it's kind of this spiritual sequel to Life Finds a Way, you know? I'm, ex- I'm excited for that to become my ringtone. <laughs> he really took to it, is what I'm saying. Uh, I have a question for he you, really Andy, I, that I, and I hope you don't mind me revealing this because I know this as a friend, but I know up until this movie, you did not know how to ride a bike. So how did that work out for the film? Wow. <laughs> I mean, most of it's CG. Thanks for asking, dude. As, as I will now call you, but never have before. Please do. Uh, Many do. <laughs> um, no, I was probably the least proficient on a bike out of the entire <laughs> cast, including Felicia Rashad. Um, <laughs> Not a lot of people know. She won one of the legs of the Tour de France in 1978. Just won them. Yep. <laughs> she, she, burned, she burned brightly. It, it, she peaked at the Pyrenees like she was at the top. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, <laughs> one of the other things that impressed me most, and I, I, and I, I apologize, it's very difficult to talk about this without giving away some of the best jokes. But you have people in this in this project using doing accent work just on a thespian level. Mm. I didn't know they were capable of. John Cena does a terrific a Germanic sort of vaguely Austrian accent. You have uh, yeah, uh, yes, what, Austrian. Uh, you have uh, uh, James Marsden, by the way, terrific. Just I mean, obviously terrific. Isn't looking. he great? He's really funny. I mean, He's really funny, and he's British, and he fell into it deep and was, like, incredible at it. And he actually is someone who did improvise quite a bit and used a lot of it. He's a funny guy. And and you have Will Forte, who apparently is fluent in French. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> Will, Will Forte, I'm not sure if you're serious or not, but he does not know French. <laughs> yes. He learned, learned his French lines pretty much the night before and morning of and sort of learned them phonetically. Uh, and that was who we cast as the French guy. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and is that because, and everybody knows this, there are no French actors in the world right now? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. None. Are, are you ever... <laughs> Are, are you ever? It was su- either Will Forte or the girl from Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> yes, one or the other. <laughs> he he yeah. he was able to say the um, he was able to, to to ask someone to 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 I, I won't ruin the joke, but he he asked someone to do something to him in a sexual way, and he was able to sell that line yeah. in French better than a French woman could. I think. Yeah, I I think that's and that's what true. that's what gets him all the parts, all the French parts. <laughs> He's in the new Olivier Assayas yeah. movie, I think. <laughs> Who. Can you can you talk I a little? Mean, he did his he did his own dub work on Nebraska and France. I lo- he's really good as the Night Fox in Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> I love this this theory that Will Forte is Vincent Cassell. Yeah, yeah. he was good in Jason Bourne. Yeah, he, looked, he was Diesel. 
Who, I'd like to get that rumor started. Who among the non uh, comedic performers was really ready to play the most? Because you have, as we've, we've been alluding to, we've been naming names. There are this many people in the film. Because in addition to people you've worked with before comedically, and Jeff Goldblum, you have you have Danny Glover, you have Dolph Lundgren, you have J.J. Yeah. Um, Abrams, Felicia Rashad, <laughs> Kevin Bacon, and uh, and then you have Lance Armstrong. I mean, you have Mike Tyson. So who who how? I guess two part question. How can you tell who's ready to play? if you're behind the camera throwing stuff at them? And then who surprised you the most? Um, well, certain people, you get there and you realize, like, you're probably best to just try and get the scripted um, because it's it's outside their own comfort zone, you know, and you don't want to push them. But you'll, like, try a few little things. And then there's people like Marsden and, I mean, you know who actually showed up, like, locked and loaded was Orlando Bloom, which we were really excited about because his character is bananas. Juju Pepe is doing an Italian accent. Um, <laughs> that was unclear. I, I just I knew he was European. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I was I would say John Cena, but he's really known for comedy at this point, so it wasn't that surprising. But he was really funny too and went went for it hard and tried things. But yeah, or I, I mean, for for some reason, the one that popped in my head was Orlando, just because he's really not known for that kind of a thing. Um, and he had a blast and he's also really good at cycling. Like he does it. I'm going to say professionally. Wow. He's, he's a professional cyclist. Yeah. And you are, you are his sports agent, right? Cause not a lot of people know you have a side business that is just a sports agency. <laughs> yeah. It's actors that are also professional athletes. Yep. Actors, like ripping actor athletes. Rap. It's like a music agent that would rap. Like Russell Crowe or something. Yep, exactly. I, I feel like what you're playing with in this is like he's generally pretty well known and accepted that everyone in cycling is on an enormous amount of drugs, or at least they used to be. Um, yeah. I, I, it, was there any moment during the making or conception of this where someone said, you know, you might you might really really offend some people in Europe with this? I mean, is there any concern that that this uh, is this is a, this is an image of cycling that someone is, is? First of all, I don't even know who is big cycling, so maybe you could tell me that. Um, we were never really concerned about it because it's so crazy. It's like really if we crazy. were doing it in a way where in the end we were like, and that's why everyone should be ashamed. Like <laughs> <laughs> more worried. Like we're not, we didn't do it to sort of make any point other than just that it's so crazy that the sport has so much crazy behavior surrounding it. And just the look of it and the era of that sport we really liked for comedy. Um, but one thing that was interesting in sort of researching the Tour de France and cycling in general when we were getting ready to make it, how long the history of cheating in the sport is, like way before there were performance-enhancing drugs and stuff. Like in the very beginning, it was apparently a very working-class sport, and it was created by sponsors of like magazines and newspapers or something to advertise, and the riders were physically incapable of doing the amount of cycling that actually was required. And every night they would drink tons of beer and wine to sort of deal with their body pain uh, and would ride drunk as well. And then uh, as it progressed, it, it got like more and more nefarious. There was a guy who apparently left the race, took a train uh, for like a good chunk of the race and then rejoined it. Like things that you're like, that sounds like, you know, a cartoon. There's no way that's true, but apparently it was. That basically is like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yes. I kind of respect it, though, because yeah. I feel like with American sports, there's all this subterfuge and it's just like, well, he did a had a little bit of amino acid when he was lifting. But like these guys like drain their bodies of all fluids and replace it with like cheetah blood. Cocaine Gatorade, yeah, and then they just, yeah, cheat blood. I was wondering, Andy, did uh, did Kevin Bacon have any Quicksilver oh. stories to talk about? You know, since this is a return to the bike, he did. He did bring up Quicksilver. He did bring I'm up. Not Qu kidding. Yeah. <laughs> he did bring it up, and we were all, and some of us had seen it, and some of us were like, "Holy crap, I got to see that now." Um, but he he was laughing about it. He's like, "I had fun. I had fun making that." <laughs> I wanted to. I I saw that movie when I was a kid, and it made me desperately want to be a bike messenger. Yeah, and then I saw the Joe Gordon Levitt movie about being a bike messenger, and I was like, man, not for me. Yeah, but, it but was during like, that whole period between the movies, the interregnum, you yeah, just wanted to be a bike movies, messenger. I was a bike messenger. That's twenty five years. Yes. I think Baby Driver would have been better if he had been a bike messenger. Agreed. 100% agree. <laughs> Definitely agree with that. Definitely agree. You blew it, Edgar. Yeah. 
It's about putting everybody on blast today. <laughs> That's what the show is. Old old studio tours and putting Hollywood on blast. Yeah. I, I, I have to ask, I'm sure everyone's asking you this, Andy, but is is Lance Armstrong ready to, to laugh at him? Like, is he just ready to laugh? Did he come in saying, like, well, I guess I did some stuff, guys? Or, or, or was that a more delicately managed transaction to get him to be in the movie? Um, it wasn't that delicately managed. It was more like, here's the bit. We think it's funny, and uh, we don't know where you're at with everything, but if you want to do it, we'd love for you to come do just this. And then he he clearly is in some regard because he was up for it, you know, and, and we showed up, and we had a ton of alts, and he did all of them and didn't really blink. Um, and he didn't talk a ton about it, and we obviously were not, like, pressing him. Because <laughs> we didn't, yeah. we didn't want it to be uncomfortable for him or for him to leave. So we kind of just shot the stuff that we had written, and it, it was actually totally pleasant. And he had a good time doing it, I think. Um, and not to sort of sidestep it, but the biggest memory I have of the whole thing is that we flew to Austin to do it, and we got Franklin's barbecue, and it was incredible. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you have to line up early, or did you get special treatment? We. Paid someone to wait. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate your honesty. I, they now, I will say this: they now have a. You can order in advance and just go pick it up, which I just did uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, holy cow! Yeah, yikes! Also, uh, La Barbecue, the other, the other one there, also amazing. Yeah, holy yeah. cow! Yeah, yeah, it's really good out there. It would have been funny if you guys were talking with Lance and he was like. Boy, this is pretty weird how you guys are doing a piece about, like, you're doing a movie about doping and biking. Yeah. God, who would do that? Like, if he was just, like, oblivious to, like, the irony of it. Yeah, he's still the most famous cyclist. Uh, yeah. Like, That's why we felt like we had to ask him. Yeah. Really okay. like, that would probably be important. He's, he's, like, if you, yeah, if you name, if you ask somebody to name a cyclist, he's definitely the name to say. When you are describing these projects, the the Wimbledon one and, and, and Tour de Pharmacy, what what term do you use? I mean, do you call these like mockumentaries, documentaries, or do you have your own uh, vision for what they are that, that conveys it? Because I, I can't communicate what this is, especially once you get into the, the animated blood cells portion, which was my favorite. <laughs> I think mockumentary is, is the most clear. I mean, we were kind of joking about the other day. We were like, do we call it a special or a movie or a special presentation? Or like, what category are we going to submit it to not get uh, nominated for an Emmy? Mm. Um, <laughs> um, so I think just mockumentary is probably the clearest, right? It's sort of a like a goofier, more cartoony, amped up, dirty version of what we have known as mockumentaries. I feel like you guys, too, like taking as and I, I'm not sure if this is exactly what happened, but like taking those kind of ESPN 30 for 30, you know, documentaries as your inspiration. And but you guys are doing something that they even though they're so silly and so stupid, they are really adhere to those structures that are really kind of baked into everything we watch now, you know, that, and having only seen the yeah. Wimbledon one. Um, I feel like it shares something with like uh, what those guys are doing with documentary now and stuff. You know, that's it's right. It's not just like a send up. It's something its own thing. Sure, that's accurate. I mean, there's de- it's definitely made lovingly in the way that we do watch and love those thirty for thirties and the HBO Sports documentaries and stuff. And the fact that those have become so popular and so sort of ubiquitous, like it does feel like there's a new language for it because it's specifically about sports. Um, similar, like you're saying, Jason, to how those guys do doc now, and they're like, this one is like the Nanak of the North one, and this yeah. one is the you know, chef's, chef's table or Zero Dreams of Sushi, and we know that language now. Um, so in that way, you're, you're spot on. That is definitely what we're going for. It, it, there's jokes to be made that haven't totally necessarily been made yet because that editing language is kind of new. Yeah, there's um, great visual and, jokes in there that are just be, because you're sending up the style that these things have now kind of carved out for themselves. For sure. And it's all obviously in the tradition of like the Christopher Guest and those guys, like the serious tone of any documentary, treating it with reverence when it's something really silly and stupid that is inherently funny. And for but, you yeah, guys, hopefully our, yeah. our new twist on it. And for you guys, a lot of it is, I think this is true, just trying to get as much of Chris Romano's dick onto TV <laughs> as possible. Is that right? 
hundred percent. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to act like this is the first time I've said this, but we are hoping that Chris Romano's dick is the Stan Z of our universe, where it has to have a cameo in everyone. <laughs> there's there's a good amount of dick in this in this project. I, I mean, can't wait. It it it. Be, it I don't want to spoil it, but you get you get some in the first forty seconds at least. Is that is that is that just sort of a general HBO note for all their projects? That's a self-imposed mandate. Yeah, uh, we just like doing that. We think it's funny. Um, we're also, you know, very interested in equal opportunity nudity. Mm-hmm. You know, we we grew up watching HBO and watching, you know, boobs on Dream On, and more recently, boobs on Entourage, and we were like, hey, why not a little wang with those boobs? A tradition yeah. unlike any other. Um, we, we, we should let you go, but I, we, we do have, um, since we, since Brooklyn Nine-Nine is coming back this fall for, is it season five already? Yeah. Um, and, and is there anything you can tease for us about what's coming up, especially involving Adrian Pimento? Because we have him in-house. <laughs> and if you'd like to pitch yeah, any it, story to him now, I'm <laughs> sure he'd love to hear it, particularly, you know, anything that might involve writing off his character in a dramatic or violent way. <laughs> well, not, not to spoil it, but... In the first episode, Adrian Pimento murders Jake in cold blood, steals his personality. Yeah. It's and a, no one noticed it. Yeah, so it's it a face-off on. kind of thing. <laughs> wow. We do a face-off uh, where I wear his face and he wears mine. It's yeah. pretty great. It's, that's terrific. It's pretty I, great. Andy and I have been writing really the whole good. episode this summer. It is 236 pages long. You guys have just been watching the last Twin Peaks over and over yep. again. Yep. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is yeah, in. Okay. <laughs> We're not sure as what. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Hey, Jason, did you know that I actually do an impression of Nick Cage? Oh, that's right. I forgot that. Did you know? Even better. You know what? Cage is out. Andy's cage is in. (laughs) (laughs) This is is how magic happens in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's this bit is going to come so full circle that it's just going to be me playing Jake. <laughs> That's probably for the best for everyone. Um, Andy, thank you so much for taking some time from Parts Unknown to uh, speak with us. Um, Tour de Pharmacy is on HBO. It's uh, July 8th. It's really worth seeing. I, I, I didn't improv Cheetah Blood. That's a plot point. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, thank you, guys. And thank you, Jason, for joining us. Thanks, oh, man. Have fun. Later, buddy. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Redbox. School's out for summer, and Redbox has the video games to keep you entertained. With over 40,000 locations nationwide, you can rent and return anywhere. Better yet, you'll get a free one-night game rental from Redbox when you use the promo code WATCH3. That's WATCH and the number three, all one word. Swing by a box in your neighborhood, or if you want to make sure the game you want is there when you arrive, reserve it online at redbox.com games. Offer is valid through July 20th, 2017, subject to additional terms. Charges apply for additional nights, and a payment card is required. Getting into video games has never been so easy.